Hi, I'm Sherry Ring. I'm the lead coach for Hospo Health, which is a health and wellbeing program developed specifically for the Tasmanian hospitality industry. Hospo Health includes weekly videos, a range of helpful fact sheets to download, and this podcast series. All of these can be accessed online at hospohealth.com.au. We're also delivering face-to-face workshops around Tasmania focusing on team-building activities. If you work in the hospitality industry, then Hospo Health is for you and about you. Hi, I'm Sherry and I'm the head coach for the Hospo Health program. Today we'll be talking about mental health in the workplace and specifically for the hospitality industry. I'm joined today by Dr. Angela Martin from Pracademia and Laura Papiccio, who's the Human Resource Manager from Crown Plaza. Hi, guys. Hi, Hi. Sherry. I might get you just to go first, Ange, and just tell us a little bit about yourself, your research, and a bit about Pracademia. Sure. Uh, so I spend half of my time in working in my company, Pracademia, with my business partner, which is a consultancy organisation um, looking at putting evidence-based strategies into practice in organisations. We both have a mental health background, but we're really interested in the application of evidence in workplace settings. Uh, the other half of the time, I'm a professor at the Menzies Institute for UTAS doing research on workplace mental health. At the moment, that mainly involves supervising PhD projects. I've got one really interesting one with Adam Nebs you may have heard about on this podcast or through this program, looking at how organisations can prevent the development of mental health problems by controlling psychosocial risk factors. The other projects I've got going are really interesting. One's working with a PhD candidate on veterinary medicine and how to improve the situation for vets and vet nurses. Uh, And the other one's looking at people who work on ships on voyages to Antarctica and conducting research for CSIRO and what it's like to exist in that kind of workplace. So heaps of really interesting stuff. Yeah, definitely. Sounds amazing, Ange. And Laura, do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself and and maybe a bit about Crown Plaza? Yeah, so I'm Laura and um, I've worked at the Migrant Resource Centre before Calvary Healthcare and a few other businesses across not-for-profit before coming to Crown Plaza. And Crown Plaza is the first of the Intercontinental Hotel Group's brands into Tasmania, but it is owned locally by the Callis family. And IHG is the overarching company. They have a really strong focus on individual human rights and provide us with a lot of resources and time, really, to invest into our employees' health. Yeah, and Joe and I have been in, obviously, Lauren had a look at some of the things that you're doing. It looks amazing. It's really innovative and well done you. So, Laura, do you guys have a WHS committee? And if you do, is there a strong focus around mental health? Yeah, so the health and safety committee we have is um, mandatory for our hotels. So in Tasmania, it can be formed through an employee asking for a committee or the business can uh, um, volunteer to just have a committee anyway. And, and we always like to have one because we like our employees to participate with us on their own health. And I've used Andrew's white paper in many businesses before to make sure that health and safety committees focus on three points of health and that's social, physical and mental. Um, So it's seen um, as an equal part of what the committee focuses on and they usually have uh, spend one month 
on on a focus area so that we can raise awareness, expose people, have education and a, a focus on one area each month. Yeah, and so Angie, for those smaller businesses like cafes and things like that, what can they do if, you know, they obviously don't have the people to put together a committee as such? Yeah, they still can follow the basic principles. A small business still has to adhere to the work health and safety legislation. And a lot of the legislation refers to phrases like reasonably practicable, which means they take into account that if it's a very small business, you're not going to have probably the systems and practices of a large multinational organisation. But the general principles of do no harm to workers in the course of them undertaking their duties, that can apply in an organisation of three people. Yeah, and I think it's important for those smaller businesses to know that you have actually supplied the, the links to, get, to be able to get that information Yes, in the, um, in the videos that we've done for this program, there's a lot of resources people can follow up on and we've really made an effort to make sure they're suitable for smaller businesses because Tasmania is like 95% people working in that small business setting. Yeah. So Laura, without getting specific, what sort of issues are you seeing arise in your industry at the moment? I'd say across industries is uh, burnout factors. So with the people problem, people are picking up on workloads, working overtime. So a lot of people are heading to burnout, not necessarily in our sector, just all sectors. For us, it's obviously working nights can be a factor to burnout. We have a lot of mental health issues because people have been isolated from friends and family for a long time because of COVID. Uh, so they're, you know, struggling to reconnect in some cases. One of the things I know that um, I've heard a lot of talk about is struggling to get enough workers with the skills oh, yeah. that the businesses need. So mm. um, a lot of business people talking about challenges around getting staff and the right staff. Yeah, so over, overwork, I guess, can come from yeah, not having too many hours and a too big a workload or... You've got enough people there to fulfil the work, but they don't necessarily have the skill set. Yeah. Um, and that's where businesses have to be quite creative <laughs> in how they manage the workload. Yeah, but that's rife in hospitality at the moment. Uh, so in hospitality, you're serving customers all day. You're always having to be on, which can be difficult for people. Uh, but it's also a, an industry for young people as well. So we have a lot of people now coming into the industry with anxiety. They've been through um, a tough few years and uh, with social media apparent mm. and having an impact on young people. Yeah, I think both of those issues are really important to mental health. The first one, the customer interaction issue, like obviously that can be a real positive as well as a negative. So the risk factor, one of the big ones, comes from customers actually in hospitality. So sexual harassment, verbal abuse, you know, we've seen some horrible stories of attacks that happen on McDonald's employees in car parks. You know, it can range from just that little sort of bit of irritability from a customer or a little bit of dissatisfaction through to actual, you know, criminal behaviour. So that's one of the biggest risks in the industry and, you know, forward-thinking businesses are looking for strategies to prevent that. You know, you so often see the signs and things mm. and, you know, barriers and that sort of thing. You can work on building design to try to protect people. But there's also a lot of stuff on de-escalation training that you can do, especially if you are in one of those higher risk industries. So, yeah, that sort of exhaustion that you can get from what's called emotional labour of having to put on that face 
that's not even an extreme case. That's just the daily grind. Yeah. Um, you know, and that can wear you down over time for sure, especially if you've got personal issues going on or you are struggling with a mental health disorder and trying to put on that really happy team player face for work. And young people, as you said, you know, we know the statistics now, one in three people under the age of 25 meet criteria for a mental health disorder. So mm. if you've got a young workforce, you're going to probably be having higher rates of people coming in already with disorders that they need to manage. So what are some strategies that businesses can put in place straight away? Well, I guess you can have a really good program around mental health support, especially for people coming in that do have extra support needs. So whether that's, you know, if you have the means in your organisation to provide access to counselling that's offered for free or if it's subsidised, if you're a smaller business, perhaps you can get into a cooperative with some other smaller businesses to have a psychologist mm. you can call on um, if needed. Because as we know, the, the services, the public health services, you know, there's big waiting times, you know, and there's issues there. So if the, the organisation can be at least a kind of a temporary support for people while they navigate their access to the system, that can be really important. And people need to be told about that when they start. I think you probably have something in your induction about... Yeah, the EAP, absolutely. So employee assistance provider that anyone can call confidentially anytime for over-the-phone counselling. Yeah. yeah, so like in when you have your new employees, you say, you know, we're a really supportive organisation, you know, we treat mental health just as a part of health and you're opening that conversation with them and lowering their distress about maybe bringing it up and... Uh, the other issue that is really important around seeking support is um, you mentioned people are from all sorts of different international backgrounds and cultural backgrounds and some even with less English language skills and so topics around mental health can be kind of complicated or they have cultural baggage associated with them. So I think it's really important to have a proactive stance of just accepting these issues are there and thinking about what you can practically do to support people. Mm. I think with the cultural differences as well, though, they actually bring a bevy of skills with them that we all learn from. So that's one of the benefits of the diversity in hospitality is that we're all learning different um, skills in managing mental health from each other as well. Absolutely. And so are there any learnings that you think that you could share with other people in the industry? Yes. So... I guess the resilience of some of the cultures and their natural service behaviours. So they're able to come into the business and it's not such a strain for them. They find it easier and that actually rubs off. It's contagious for other people. But we also manage to get older people into the workforce because they may be from other cultures or, or still Tasmanian. And partnering them with young new people is really helpful because they show and model the behaviours and that natural ease with conversing with customers that can put um, the other people at ease and show that it's not scary to talk to people face-to-face where, you know, they may have had a lot of screen interactions in the past. This can sometimes be the first time they're talking to people face-to-face. We have people who meditate, lots of people going to yoga. But, uh, you know, a couple of things we've done is we send four managers every year to mental health first aid training, so the THA are providing that for free this year as well. Uh, so then our managers are equipped to be able to uh, provide resources and support to people. So that's a really good course as well. Yeah, it's amazing. So Laura, Ange touched a bit on the de-escalation process. What are you guys doing around that? 
Uh, so everyone who has their RSA certificate learns about uh, de-escalation through that process, but we also run training programs we call IHG's Problem Handling, and it's about really listening to customers and just taking the time to be silent, listen to what they actually want and actually need, and sometimes it's not to do anything for them, it's actually just to listen and be heard. So we uh, teach our people to be active listeners We also have like a quick few safety rules. So we have the 10 metre and the 5 metre rule. So if you see someone walk in at 10 metres, you catch their eye and smile at them. And at 5 metres, you say hello. And just acknowledgement and someone seeing their face usually deters someone from doing the wrong thing, um, if that's what they came to do. And, you know, we also have a lot of surveillance in place to keep our people safe as well that we're really open about. Lastly, we also have on the walls of our hotel and in the lifts a reminder of um, being kind to others and that's a bit of a, an etiquette we expect from our guests as well as our own people. Yeah, it's great. And I want to just lastly touch on the preventative health. Um, once upon a time it was just a nice to have. I think nowadays most businesses realise that it's a necessity yeah, and that's um, the recent white paper that you can probably link to with your program is talking about the opportunity that's there for Tasmanian workforce health promotion and that, that opportunity lies in getting really good preventative strategies as well as thinking about all the good stuff that's in work. Not not We've been talking about you know some of the hard stuff and some of the difficult stuff, but actually having employment and feeling comfortable in a team that you're working in is really protective of your mental health. Like, mm. you know, if it's a good quality job, that's, that's all you need. Um, you yes. know, in many cases, that's what keeps people going. So your colleagues at work, you know, I know my own daughter works in hospitality and what makes the difference for her is the friends that she's got at work and how they support each other in managing difficult scenarios. So really that really nice team experience is is, um, something that you should be always trying to cultivate. Uh, It's very protective as well as these prevention things where you look at what are the main sources of stress for your people and what can you do about it. And that connection piece is probably more important than ever now, for Super particularly important. for younger people. What are you guys doing around preventative health, Laura? For preventative health in our business, again, we focus on the um, three aspects, physical, social and mental, and they overlap so much. We talk to people about sleep. We have focuses of nutrition with Hospital Health last month. We had a bit of fun in the nutrition workshops together Um, and team building. We also have really practical applications of um, preventative health measures and one of them I've spoken to you about, Sherry, is that focus on psychosocial health. We added a few questions to our normal conversation guides that we have every quarter with our employees just to check on their workload, their environment and that they're feeling safe in the workplace. Um, We also do things like just take care of people's circadian rhythms a bit So if someone's a night owl, we don't roster them on for breakfast every morning. But if they are a night owl, they'll go and work on the dinner shifts rather than the morning shifts. And Mm. we try and keep the set shifts rather than swapping all over the place so that people get that bit of a rhythm in their lives and are able to sleep better, work better, exercise better. That's really important, actually, that whole concept of rostering and shift work as a risk and how you've proactively managed that with people's different preferences and that gives them some control over their schedule, which again is very protective for mental health. 
I think um, on top of that, having a life outside of hospitality is really important. It used to be that you'd spend all your time in hospo um, with the people at work. Now, if someone says to us, well, I play football, am I able to have this time off? It's a yes, automatic yes, because we want to support people's life outside of work as well, especially if it's in a healthy pursuit. Yeah. And I really want to talk to you about good mental health. So there's a big focus on poor mental health, which, you know, there should be. But I know with the workshops that we're delivering and a lot of the hospital health that is bringing people together and connecting people and it's creating a lot of fun and laughter. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that positive space? Yeah, that's so, it's so important. And in, in the original video and some of the materials we've provided through the program, we talked about our integrated approach. Laura mentioned she's been following that for a number of years too. And so one of those arms is prevent harm, you know, and we've talked about that a little bit today. And I know Adam Nebs has talked about the work, health and safety side of prevent harm. But the middle part of the model, um, and we've talked about responding to problems and supporting people, but the middle part of the model is all about promoting the positive, the positive things in work that we know from the evidence actually promotes our mental health and protects us. And so we've talked about teamwork and social connection as one of the most important. Um, But another one is that sense of being appreciated and valued by your colleagues, by your customers, getting random compliments. Or, you know, I'm just thinking again of my daughter and the business that she works for. She came home and said, I was given a gift card today for excellent work and problem solving. And I thought, well, that's just great. And she, you know, Mm. felt proud of that. And so that sense of pride and achievement that you can get through your work, whatever work you do, is is really important. So coming back to one of Laura's points about managers or leaders or people in charge, whether that's you're a business owner and you employ five casuals and you're the leader, having that attitude and that skills area about mental health promotion and making it a great place to work. You don't have to call it mental health promotion, you just call yeah. it being a really good place to work. So don't sort of undervalue how far that can go for your workers as well. Absolutely. And I I mean, I, when I first started planning the hospital health program, I saw a lot of research, particularly around the hospitality industry, on that connection piece and you know, employees were much likely to stay working at a place if they had the connections and friends at work. Definitely. I think part of that recognition piece is um, it's a gratitude program as well. So sometimes in hospitality, you're moving so fast, you don't get a moment to say, hey, that was awesome, well done. After a shift, we often have our managers quickly writing 100 cards to their employees saying they noticed something they did that was awesome. And in that, that's a practice of gratitude. That's amazing. For them. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well done. Um, and then people are able to cash those cards in and, and get, you know, free drinks and, and things at the hotel. But our recognition is really important part of that. Yeah, I love that, Laura. Me too. So, look, just to finish up, Ange, if you want to give one piece of advice and maybe we might just start with some advice for maybe a small business, a cafe or a small bar? Sure. So the main things, as I've said, would be to have that safe environment for for your staff members and that open communication that there's no um, – you set up a culture where employees can speak up about what's concerning or troubling them, finding out if there's sort of common stress points for the workers and trying to solve the problem collaboratively with them. That's the approach I would take to the – prevention of harm and as I said with um, mental health problems existing mental health problems it's about again telling them you know that it's safe to have conversations about what their needs are in that area and that you can support them again 
as much as practicable for a business owner. You're not expected to be a psychologist. You're expected just to be a supportive person that's informed enough to help them get to the right sources of support. Yeah. And for a a larger business, are those, do you think the committees are really important? Committees, you need structures to help get that input from staff and have that representation of different types of roles in the business. So, you know, that would be a fundamental is to have the committee and consider its representation and talk to the leaders or the CEOs if it's a very big business about what sort of resourcing might be available for programs such as this or positions for someone to start looking at prevention in the organisation. Yeah, so it's quite different in a large business. Mm. But again, as I said, the principles are the same. Yeah. I think that's about a wrap today. There's some really great information out there that businesses can hopefully implement straight away into their into their culture. Thanks so much for the chat today, Laura, and thanks, Dr. Angela Martin. Thanks, Sherry. Thanks, Sherry, and thanks, Laura. The HOSPO Health Program is brought to you by the Tasmanian Hospitality Association. I'm Sherry Ring. Thanks for listening to today's podcast, and I'll catch you next time.